0: This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 5, Episode 7. Welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network, brought to you by Excess Sites. Today is Wednesday, February 2nd, 2022, as of the recording of this episode. And I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I'm joined today by the man,
1: the legend, the whateverness, Jacob Paulson. Yeah, I thought you were going to go with the man, the myth, the legend, which I've always wondered about that phrase. Like, no one wants to be a myth. You know? <laughs> like, I exist. So I'm yeah. glad you skipped that part.
0: Well, you know, we, we might have called you the, the myth back in like September or August timeframe when you, you know, kind of disappeared off from red, the face of the, the earth. earth. <laughs> yeah, but you maybe. are here and yeah, you're I'm alive here. and we're thankful for that.
1: Definitely not a myth.
0: Today, we are going to be talking about dry firing the fast test. Uh, so this is taking a specific drill and... Uh, know just discussing it and breaking it down a little bit talking about some of the things we can learn from a drill like this and the various components that make it up this is featured in our most recent shooter ready challenge video available at shooterreadychallenge.com. if you want to go watch and check that out follow along and use it for some inspiration in your own personal dry fire practice and training this month but uh this episode and Shooter rate challenge is coincidentally sponsored by LASR or the Laser Activated Shot Reporter Software. Jacob's repping the shirt. Good man, look at that. The Laser X version of software is my choice of dry fire software that I like to use. There's many options out there in the market. We recognize them, but frankly, guys, Laser was like the first, at least that made it possible and reachable and obtainable by the average consumer and the ability to set it up right in the comfort of your own home using standard equipment like your computer and webcam. It's just a phenomenal thing, revolutionary for its time. Their Laser X version is the best that they have brought to the table thus far, allowing you to use any internet connected device with a web browser. I run it right off my iPad most days and it works awesome. So check out the Laser X version of software at laserapp.com, that is L-A-S-R-A-P-P.com. To learn more, you can subscribe monthly, yearly, buy a lifetime license if you wish. That's what I recommend you do. Or if you still prefer the Laser Classic Edition, I I believe that's still available as well.
1: And that is my preference, I might add.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They both have uh, strengths and weaknesses. Um, as you know I I, I like the laser X version so <laughs> um, I haven't played around with the laser classic edition in a while Did, have they added in some of the uh, built-in like drills and challenges like exist in the laser X is that still laser X specific um, thing
1: That's a pretty laser X specific thing I, I, I think for me there's some features in laser classic that are just never probably never going to make it into laser X Yeah, based on the nature of a, a web-based. Uh, You know, SAS software versus a machine installed application. Yep. So, like you said, they both got their their pros and cons. And certainly if you're a Mac person, you probably want LASRX.
0: Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with that. Which is one of the reasons why I was so excited when they came out with it. Guys, check out, again, LASRAPP.com. Also, today's episode sponsored by our title sponsor. Again, that's Excess Sites. We had a good time seeing those folks again at SHOT Show a few weeks back, visiting them in their booth, checking out some of the newer products. I was really enthused to see some of the additions to their lines. Uh, suppressor height sights in uh, the R3D series, especially for me. That, that was intriguing to me. Also, the F8 night sights they continue to make, and they're awesome. They got suppressor height ones as well. And they just continue to add additional models to the lineup as far as uh, different models of guns that their sights are available for, especially in the R3D line and uh, also the F8 line. So check out excess You know, you need quality sights so you can see and process visual information as quickly as possible in a stressful incident using your gun. Uh, High contrast, high visibility sights are key especially if you're not using like a red dot all right the cool thing is is if you are running a red dot and now with the suppressor height sight versions from excess sites you've got an option where you can have your backup sites um, be from excess sites as well so the fact is most gun manufacturers their factory sites aren't really adequate so that's why i recommend you give excess sites a look excess is is xs the letters xs sites.com and then finally sponsor of today's episode being barrel block that is b-a-r-r-e-l-b-l-o-k barrel block with a k barrelblock.com all right if you're doing dry fire you should be using barrel block especially if you're not using something else in place of it such as like a laser cartridge trainer device sort of thing um Barrel block is my preferred tool of choice for dry fire practice. Especially, and I'll tell you something, just a week ago, less or a little less than a week ago, I was in San Antonio getting ready for a class, decided to do just a little dry fire practice in my hotel room. Well, it's a hotel room. And yeah, walls are thin, you don't have a lot of safe directions. I don't have my usual setup, my dry fire dojo here at home. Throw the barrel block in the muzzle or in the in the chamber of my device of my of my gun. That's weird. <laughs> the device. Yes, my firearm device. Put the barrel block in there. My bullet I slinging went. device. <laughs> so, you know, I did a little dry fire in my hotel room right there with the barrel block. It was awesome. So check out barrelblock.com. Anything else you want to add, Jacob?
1: Um, the website's blocksafety.com. I think barrelblock.com will work too. It'll redirect it does. you. But, but com. I think it's the...
0: I, I use the sites that are easiest for people to remember.
1: Good for you, Riley.
0: <laughs> Good for you. Use either one. They both will get, get you there.
1: I'll, I'll just add that the price of barrel block is twelve ninety nine, And it comes with three mag blocks. It, it's the most affordable like thing in the gun world <laughs> ever. So do that. Yep. Yep. All right. Let's get into our topic today. So
0: as was mentioned, we are using as inspiration for our discussion today, the uh, 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 shoot rate challenge from this most recent edition, which, you know, I just decided, Hey, let's take a famous drill. One that uh, maybe not everyone's aware of, but certainly if you've been in the shooting community for any length of time, you've probably heard about or run across some talk about something known as the FAST drill. A lot of times people will call it, uh, but the full name, the true name is called the Fundamentals Accuracy and Speed Test. So it's an acronym, F A S T. And so, really, if you just say the FAST, like you actually are covering all the bases as far as what it is. If you say, fast drill then it's kind of redundant and also not exactly the same thing or if you say the fast test which sometimes i say uh also redundant but anyway um that's what it is it is a really simple drill to do you can you can shoot it at seven yards in live fire uh you want a three by five card horizontally placed representing a head target with an 8-inch circle representing the body target down below. You can shoot it on like an IDPA target and throw a 3 by 5 card up there. Or you can shoot it on our new soon-to-be-available targets from concealedcarry.com, which has already a 3 by 5 card in the head and an 8-inch circle in the body. Either way, you set up the fast test, 7 yards, 3 by 5 for a head, 8-inch eight, eight circle for the body. On the draw, you place two rounds into the head target, perform a slide lock reload, and then fire four shots to the body. And the standard is to try to get that done in less than five seconds to be considered, you know, worthy of a fast coin run. Those that could pass the fast test two times, I think back to back, in a class with the originator, Todd Lewis Green, and now with his. His uh, what do you? What's the word? He who is carrying on the legacy, <laughs> that is Ernest Langdon. Then you earn a fast coin, and just this last weekend, the twenty-third coin was awarded. So I'd like to think that dude, you know, just happened to earn that last week, just after I published a video about it. So he must have watched it and done some dry fire, you know, thanks to me. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's a very challenging shooting drill, especially to do on demand. To do it back to back consistently in less than five seconds. Now, if you could do it in less than seven seconds, it's still considered you know a very sporty time. But uh, um, everyone wants to try to break that five second mark, and so uh, we uh, or I decided you know hey let's talk about it let's break it down and kind of show you how how to work on it and practice it. To get a little better at it,
1: mm-hmm. that was the idea. Yeah, I, I have never achieved this test. I've never passed this test. Um, I'm I'm confident, uh, and I actually just add, I'm sure I can do it if if I don't have to hit a target. Like if, if bullets can just whizzle anywhere, <laughs> then I, I can I can get this done. But if I have to if I have to actually get all my hits, then then I'm not currently capable of 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 uh, passing this test. Uh, but it's it's a it's a it's a fun Exercise, drill, test. I don't i don't care what word we use. I, I think that you know, where I'm going to start this conversation is I think it's important to have a handful of drills or tests or exercises, or whatever you want to call them, um, that you perform regularly. I think that as shooters, we need to have some sort of benchmark of performance, some way that we determine how we're improving in, in various aspects, and and the, uh, any given drill or exercise allows us to um, – Certainly, see and determine how we're performing in a certain in those aspects, but also gives us a kind of simplized form uh, of, of of practicing the improvement to 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 be better at certain aspects, right? So, in the case of like the fast test, and I if I leave the T off, if I say like F A S test, the fast test is that technically accurate? Will that yeah. will that work for you, Riley? Yeah. So, in the case of the fast test, um, I think. It, it has a really fun aspect with uh, with the reload something I don't practice a lot of and so that's a really good challenge for me because it, because there's a, a significant change in cadence from what is a relatively precise shot on those headshots and then I have to perform a very fast reload and then I have to, and, and then I can speed up the the shots with the body shots right so there's a change in cadence with the reload in the middle and that adds a certain degree of uh, uh, difficulty I guess but but I think you know this is a this is a good one to make one of those two to three or four you know kind of uh, of exercises that, that a person can perform regularly to test you know their their current skill level.
0: I agree, and that that is the that's an important distinction when we're talking about drills like this. Is uh, and actually, Tim Heron just had a really great post about this today, uh, where he was talking about you know there's there's people that will take drills and almost like use those drills as their practice or as their training. And he's like, that's not really quite right because really you should take some of these drills, especially the standardized ones and use those as the test, as the evaluation, which by the way, I think is why Todd green called it the fast test, you know, intended to be an evaluation of performance not necessarily something that you shoot and practice exclusively just to get good at this one particular thing uh meaning uh, you know as a drill and and so i really appreciated tim uh for, for putting that post up and completely agree with with that and and so you know there there are times where i will shoot a particular drill several times as part of a practice session uh and if people see me doing that it's less a I mean, a part of it is, well, let me see what I can do here. The other part of it is me gathering data to then be able to determine, like, where am I at performance-wise? And, and like, if you only shoot it once, it's like, well, okay, that's fine. But was that an outlier, What, whether on the good side or the bad side? Was that a great performance? Was it a poor performance, right, because I could have fumbled something just yeah, you know, I only did it the one time. So, you know, I fumbled the reload and like it is what it is because I'm only going to do it once. And, you know, it's like that. that's not really a fair evaluation either. I, I kind of like uh, Bill Blower's approach. If you watch some of his content out in, on online where he he'll he'll shoot certain drills, like, say, 10 times and then throw out the best and the worst runs, because uh, that usually takes care of the outliers, if any. And then what you're left with is a pool of data that's just a little bit better to use in terms of getting an average of of performance. And uh, and I think that's a pretty smart approach. And so I've I've like I'll typically make note of what my what my top times or you know my personal bests or personal records or whatever are just because it's like, okay, that's of note. All right, I noted it down, but I don't usually dwell too much on those things. I, I, but if you asked me a question of, hey, Riley, like, what's your time on X, Y, Z drill thingy? And I would, I would say, well, it's probably about this, and that's because number one, it's based around what I know I can do as an average, like a guaranteed level performance typically, um, or an expected level performance typically, and it's also. I, I'm going to give you an approximation because that target's always moving as well. So anyway, the point is to say is that uh, uh, drills like the fast test uh, are a great evaluation tool and should be used as such. But yet here I am doing it as a demonstration as one of our drills for a shooter-ready challenge. But that was to use it as an opportunity to show like, okay, what are the different components of that? And and then, like, how can we identify our weaknesses? And when I demonstrated the fast test in Shooter Ready Challenge, I was like, my reloads suck. <laughs> you know, like, draw? well, oh, Pretty good. Like, you know, I could definitely uh, smooth some things out there. Um, some of the shots were, you know, might have gotten a little crazy here and there occasionally. But mostly that was pretty good. Like, my hits were generally pretty good. My speed and my splits or whatever, pretty good. But it was like very apparent that my reload was the weak point. And so using it as that evaluation, and that proved true whether I was shooting it in accuracy mode, speed mode, or so-called real mode. It was like it, was, I, it always kept coming back to me for for me to the reload itself. And so, okay, got to go back to working on reloads, which like you, I don't practice. so. I mean, I, I I'm sure I practice them more than you do.
1: I'm Just sure you knowing
0: do. you and having had conversations about stuff and the fact that I actually do practice them occasionally for, from a competitive shooting point of view, but I don't practice them as much as I should and I haven't done so in recent history. And it clearly showed as I filmed shooter rate challenge.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you practice everything more than I do would be the real like easy thing there. But um, I, yeah, I think a person needs to perform an evaluation as often as a person wants feedback. On, on their performance, right? So yep. if that's doing it at the beginning and the end of a practice session or several times throughout, like whatever that looks like, I think it's fine. Um, I really appreciate that that this is a multifaceted drill. And, and mo- most you – know, I'm calling it a drill now uh, – yeah. I just don't care what we call it. So it is, so, yeah. it, it, it it is, is a bit over it. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, it depends on the context in which I use it, I suppose, if it's a drill or a test, but anyway, I, I, I appreciate that. It's multifaceted and most drills are multifaceted because the idea is to identify the point of failure or the point of the greatest uh, potential improvement, right? So in this case, if, if, you know, I have a draw, you know, so that's a potential point of a failure or a potential point of improvement. I have what would be considered precise shots, like I have to have a pretty good sight picture uh, for those headshots. I have a reload; uh, that's that's a legitimate, you know, specific component. And then I also have uh, several subsequent, you know, quick shots that are require less um, precision sight picture. Mm-hmm. So, so there's really, you know, at least four, you know, s- very standalone components that I can analyze if I you know, am doing it properly, and I can say where where am I failing? Um, I have two points of feedback, right? I have accuracy and I have speed. So accuracy is really easy to measure if you just have the target, right? All you need is the target and you can effectively buy stuff or print stuff off the computer or whatever. And then speed obviously is going to require a shot timer in order to measure this, but I'm going to be able to look at those components and say, okay, you know, this, this is how long it takes me to get first shot after the beep from draw. This is how long it takes me to perform my reload, you know, the, the time between shot two and three. This is how long it takes me for my splits between shots one and two. And this is how long my splits are between shots three, four, five, six. So it those, those pieces of feedback along with the accuracy, you know, whether I'm hitting or missing, are going to tell me where my breakdowns are. What I really appreciate about the Shooter Ready Challenge and the way you approached it, and I think this is a really good way to approach basically any exercise or drill that a person uh, performs is you kind of do it in accuracy mode and then speed mode, and then you combine the two. And this is also something we see the LASRX kind of uh, drives with their built in challenges and drills that are built into the software. Uh, and I, I really like this approach because the idea is I, I need to first like establish a baseline for my ability to perform the accuracy standard, you know, Time? Who cares about time? Like I just need to, you know, set a baseline for I'm able to get these shots, and if I do that several times, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times uh, in dry fire, I don't have to worry about ammo, so I might as well do it a lot of times. I'm gonna start. I'm, I'm gonna start to creep up the time like naturally anyway, until I kind of start to 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 got kind of to hit this, this barrier where I'd start to, I know I push it a little too far, but it allows me to kind of establish this bench line for, I can do this. I can get these shots. I know what's required. Um, the motions aren't going to change when I go faster, right? So making sure I got the motions down really, really well, that that's fluid and that it's clean. My target presentation is good. My, uh, my, my, my grip and my draw and all the draw stroke and all those things are really solid. Like, you know establishing that baseline in a in a more relaxed environment without it, without adding a lot of stress uh, really, uh, at the very least allows me to knock some rust off if, if I haven't been doing this in a while. And second, it allows me to establish you know the correct way to do this without um, rushing it. because inevitably what happens if I watch the video footage when I perform uh, drills and exercises, if I don't really lock down the sequence, it, you know, first slowly, you know, at a, at a very good standard pace, then what will happen is if you just, you know, call me on the, on the carpet, I just can tell you my personality and the way I am, I will always go too fast and missed and miss. Like I, it's just, that's how it's going to end up for me is I'm just going to rush it. And if you want, if I watch the video afterwards, I'll be like, Oh man, that was sloppy. Like I'm missing because I'm, Trying to force myself to move so fast that I'm failing to actually do it the way it should be done. So anyway, I really like your approach in the shooter Ready challenge. challenge. First, you do it slowly, establishing benchmark of accuracy, and then you throw like accuracy to the wind. You're like, I'm just going to see how fast I can move, uh, and you just just go right. And you're looking at you're still looking at the data, and you're saying, okay. You know, this is what my times were. My actually was when I was just focused on accuracy. this is what my accuracy is. And these are my times when I'm focused on speed. So you kind of have these extremes, uh, on both ends. And then you're like, okay, let's, let's do it right. Let's get my mm-hmm. shots and let's see how fast I can move while doing that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's, um, it's a concept that's not entirely new to our industry, I guess, you know, I mean, uh, steve anderson for instance talks a lot about accuracy mode speed mode and in his world match mode since he's a little bit more competition focused uh and actually i was pleasantly sur- like surprised i guess i don't know surprise is the right right word but i was like oh i forgot about this or maybe i just didn't quite notice it uh in the same way when i listened to it a few years probably two three years ago and an interview that i re-listened to with rob latham and uh, it was on the uh daniel shaw's podcast called gunfighter cast which i think is now called uh the mag life or something like that um and he interviewed rob latham and was talking about um how to practice like a champion or something or how to train like a champion i think was the title of the particular episode and rob was talking about how like something he would do would be let's say put a, he used it as an example putting up a a target at 50 yards it's a long ways uh, 50 yards and he's like now i can i can probably draw and put six shots on that target in 1.6 seconds at 50 yards and like that would be going at the limit of my you know, my physical limit in terms of speed and you know i'm pretty good because rob's funny if you listen to him talk is obviously he knows he's good um he's like you know i'm pretty i'm, I'm pretty good i might get a couple on there Um, but you know, the important thing at that point is, is not so much, you know, I'm not, I'm not getting hits really. I'm, I'm just focused purely on speed. And then he talked about, you know, what he, what he, what he would have to do to back that off and get, uh, you know, more consistent performance and uh, it was just interesting hearing his own logic. He he didn't describe it in the way like what we are describing here in terms of accuracy mode, speed mode, and real mode or match mode. But he was basically talking about the same thing. And what he was getting at, by the way, his whole point was how you perform like a champion is uh, you, you don't he, – he basically said novices go to matches. And by the way, this describes me pretty well, although I'm getting better at it. Uh and offices go to matches and try to shoot at hundred percent of their ability, like all the time. And that is what cr- creates the failure points. He's like, I'm not doing that. I you know, he's basically trying to he's trying to give his consistent performance, which is gonna be like he, he said like 80%, 85%. I've heard some guys talk about like, you know, I want to give my 90, 90 to 95%. You know, so I'm staying within what I can do, with what, within what my 100% is and can give that performance 100% of the time consistently all the time. And it was just really interesting uh, re-listening to that episode and uh, reminding myself of his, his perspective on that. And it's basically talking about this very thing. So let me back up just a little bit to this point of accuracy mode, speed mode, accuracy mode, the way Steve Anderson talks about it, I think is quite good because he says you're going to shoot like, let's say, a stage, an exercise, a drill, and you want to shoot it in a manner that where you know, like you can hit every single shot perfectly, like every single alpha Every single bullseye, whatever the the accuracy standard is that's required, like you shoot that drill or standard or test or or stage in a manner where you know you will get every single hit, and then what that does is like it proves to you that you physically have what it takes in t- from your in terms of your technique, your skill level, uh, your fundamentals. You have what it takes to hit every single shot in that stage or drill, like accurately, you, you can hit every shot. You have that capability. Okay. And that's an important thing is to have that confidence. Like I know I can hit every single one of these shots. It's just a question of how much time will it take me to do it? Right. But you throw the speed side of this, the equation completely away and just ignore time. It's irrelevant. So I'm just going to do what it, whatever it takes to hit these shots. Now, that should come back to some sort of visually, visual processing focused process. (laughs) That's that's a mouthful. Like it should come back to a process that's primarily visual because what what's my what's my gauge? Like what's my what's my what's the word my rheostat, if you will, uh, like the, what determines when I send the shot or not, if I'm in accuracy mode, what I'm, I'm asking you. Slight picture. Yeah. When my aiming is good enough, I send the shot. So, it, and, it, and then the irrelevant piece of it is however long that takes to do that. But But the metric is when my sights or my aiming is good enough, then I send the shot. So, and that's actually a good thing because it reinforces a a good proper behavior. So then we flip that around and we say, well, now let's throw out the accuracy side of the equation and let's just see what the fastest is I can shoot this, even if I have a bunch of misses or mics. So what that does is it then shows you what you are actually physically capable of. How fast can I move? How fast can I draw? How fast can I work the trigger? How fast can I reload to an even almost ir- um, unreasonable level? Now, we want to be careful not ever push it so far that we become unsafe, right? So we, we push ourselves speedwise as far as we can reasonably do so and remain safe, whether to ourselves or others. Like, in other words, I'm not throwing errant shots over the berm, mm-hmm. right? That kind of stuff. So I shoot it as fast as I physically can, and what that does is establish what the limit of my current human functioning is, physical functioning is. And then it's like, huh, okay, so I have here where I know I have what it takes to hit every shot required of me, and I know I have what it takes to do this whole thing in this amount of time. Now where do we find where that comes together? That's easier said than done. But, but the, the, way sequence, I of it,
1: yeah.
0: the way I think of it is I want to hold myself to the same process-focused approach of the accuracy mode of send shots as soon as I have appropriate amounts of aiming or aiming confirmation and then do everything else. Moving, drawing, transitioning, etc. as fast as I physically can. Mm-hmm. And if you do that properly, you find the correct merger of those two sides of the equation.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I that's a good summary of what I was trying to was trying to communicate. I, I really another thing about this particular uh, test, drill whatever, fast test is that um I really appreciate that you effectively get two different opportunities to present to target. Uh, and anytime you have to perform a reload, you have to re-present to target, right? And uh, for me, really trying to drive the skill of target presentation. Um, and, and here soon I, I I'm committed to doing my red, my red dot transition. So that's going to become even more critical that I have consistency in that target presentation. So I really like that about this test is that I get to do one target pre- pre- uh, presentation from the holster from the draw. And then after I perform the reload, I get to do another one. And um, the, the, it's almost like that first one is often easier because it just by nature of life, I do a lot of practicing from the holster uh, in dry fire. Brian, one of the more common things I do is you know just draw the first shot. Um, and so that that's a much more natural sequence, but uh, doing it after reload is a different kind of, of, of mental thing. It's not as established. And, 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 you know, someone might say, well, yeah, but you're probably not going to do a lot of reloading. Well, that's true, but there's any number of things that I might have to do mid fight that are going to cause me to have to re uh, present. I might have to move. I might have to you know perform a, a, a clear, some sort of malfunction. I might, you know, there's any number of things that, that aren't, drawing from the holster and presenting the target that still are going to cause me to have to re-present the target. So that's another really cool thing about this, uh, about this particular drill.
0: Yeah. And I agree with you, you know, so this drill is what Matt Little would, would call a combination drill because you're combining multiple skills or skill sets, uh, multiple facets of shooting into one drill. Uh, So draw, uh, some throttle control, uh, reload, transitioning, right? Multiple presentations, I guess, right? So there, there's a lot going on. Uh, the major components here are how, what's the soonest you can get that first shot on target, okay? What's your recoil management like? Can you, for instance, does it take you one second between shots to guarantee hits in that three-by-five card? Or can you get that done in 0.4, right? There's a big difference there. And that requires excellent recoil management. You need that gun to return back to zero uh, very consistently so you can go draw, bop, bop to the head, just like that. If you can do that, uh, you're well on your way. The reload is is where I find that probably most shooters suck up the most time in that drill. Um, But I can assure you, that if your shooting is reasonably decent, if you can get the reload done in two seconds, even even a little more than that, like you still have time to get this done within the five-second uh elite par time. Uh just as an example, uh, like if if you could make the first shot in 1.5 seconds, and I know that for some people that might be a stretch, uh, but if you if you could do 1.5 second to the first shot, which is very doable. It's very doable. Anybody that shot Dave Spaulding's two and two drill, like that's basically what you're doing is shooting a three by five card, two shots in less than two seconds. So if you can accomplish Dave Spaulding's two and two or two by two drill, um, you can accomplish the fast test most likely. Okay, because even at that point, let's say you're at two seconds putting two shots into that three by five card. If you take two seconds to reload, you're at four seconds. And then you've got four more shots, but really you got three more split times to measure at this point. If those were even quarter-second splits, you're at 4.75. See, and, and that's like I could shoot it in that manner, two shots in two seconds, two-second reload, and then quarter-second splits on the final uh, four shots. And I'd be done in less than five seconds and it would look like I was shooting at a very relaxed, moderate pace. Uh, And and so that's kind of my point here is like there's time to get this done, but it's just all about like you got to identify which part of that you're struggling with. So most people seem to struggle with getting their hits on the three by five card. Okay. That's more of an accuracy standard and a throttle control one. So if that's a struggle for you, then spend some time shooting three by fives at seven yards, push it back to 10 yards, test yourself on three by fives at 10 yards. Guess what? That'll make the seven yard three by five card much easier. When you go back to it, you'll be like, oh my goodness, that looks so big now. Uh, do my uh, Jack Wilson tests, 15 yard, one shot draw um, uh, uh, on a three by five card. Okay and and i say the standard there is do that in 3 seconds or less for me, for myself personally i like trying to achieve that in less than 2 seconds and i get it about 80 to 90% of the time and do that a couple of times and then i go shoot 3 by 5s at 7 yards and i'm like oh wow that cuz it's it's twice you know it's half the distance now so it looks twice as big and it's like oh wow this is easy right so do whatever it takes to get good it, placing two well-aimed shots on a three by five card at seven yards. Okay. You get that behind you. Oh, now I realize my reload's taking me three seconds when it should take me at the very longest two and a quarter. Right. And if you can get it down to two or under two, like some people can, some people can do one second reloads. See, what I'm getting at like there's always, there's plenty of room to advance the measuring stick, uh, or, or your, or your positioning on that measuring stick. So like work on the part that's slowing up the most, if you're dropping shots on the body shots, well, that's, the, those are easy, the easiest shots of the whole thing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? They're very doable. And honestly, making those shots at quarter second splits, very doable. So what I find is that most people, here's, here's the problem, Jacob and this is why it's important to approach shooting in the manner that I just described a minute ago when I was t- breaking down the accuracy mode versus speed mode and kind of how they meet together and how we get our max performance uh, in that way, is that people become very uh, results-oriented. You know, they feel the pressure of the time. They recognize, oh, I, 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 I want to get this done quickly, I feel like the clock's ticking, I'm falling behind. So you start rushing some part of the process, which really means you start ignoring or disregarding part of the process, which in this case is in, in as far as making the shots, like just giving the appropriate amount of sight picture necessary, aiming necessary to hit the target. Right. But because you get nervous, anxious, anxious, whatever and rush and disregard part of that process. Most people miss one of the headshots or some, or they just feel like they take too long on them. And so then they rush the reload and they fumble because the reload is not all that different. There's still aiming involved when you're reloading your eyes should, at the right time should go down to that mag well and your eyes locating that. And that becomes a target for your support hand, bringing the magazine up. And so you're like target, mag goes into the gun right so i do that all the time i fumble i fumble the reload on the fast test all the time because i get anxious and i'm like oh it's taking too long you know rush it disregard my aiming of my magazine to the mag well and next thing you know you're going fumbling the mag and then you're even further behind and then you rush the last four shots and so you throw two of them See, like it becomes this compounding series of errors that are usually self-inflicted because we put too much pressure on ourselves we become results oriented and we lose sight of the process along the way
1: yeah yeah I, I i'm trying to think what i can add to what you just said and there's there's not much i, I find that um, for me a lot of this has to do with being able to, to build the grip properly, right? If, if I'm going to hit – it's one thing for me to hit one precise shot. Two in a row requires that I really have built my grip properly so that the gun returns to where I want to be. And and when you perform that reload, I'll tell you right now, I, ha- I adjust my grip in order to hit the mag release, uh, and I do that consistently. <laughs> some guns I don't need to, some guns I do need to, and so I just do it on every gun so that I can consistently hit the mag release uh, and know that I'm going to be able to do it. So rebuilding the grip after the reload uh, is really critical uh, to do that properly. If I if I screw that up and I'm more likely to screw it up than I am to, to screw up the grip out of the draw, then that's going to really screw me up because those four shots into the body Man, I'm going to run those real fast. I'm going to I'm going to get the target presentation. I'm going to get that that rough sight picture, and then I'm going to let it rip. Right? Bop, 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 bop. I'm just going to let those four go as fast as I can, and it becomes real evident if I've rebuilt that grip properly uh, when I look at where those four holes are uh, in the body. So, so the point is, if I'm doing a good job, then I make sure I rebuild that grip properly, and if it's not right, I lock it down before. I start letting those those four shots fly at the end of the of the uh, string of fire. So, anyway, th- another thought there for those who might be at a similar level as me that I got to build the grip properly when I'm when I'm called on to shoot subsequent shots. At the same place, whether it's one or four or five or they're precise or not, if I don't build the grip properly, the gun's not going to return to the correct point of aim and it's going to slow me down dramatically or I'm just going to miss every subsequent shot. Right. So anyway, that that's a greater challenge after I perform that reload, Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm more likely to fumble that and not get the grip back where and how it should be uh, after I perform that reload.
0: Uh, so I'm I'm really glad you shared your your thoughts on this because it provides some uh, some really good insight into maybe some of the um, little things that you could work on. Right. Um, so, question for you though: Do I adjust my grip when I perform a reload? I have yes no, no idea.
1: I don't. I don't stare at uh, you when you shoot. Right what like. do you think I do? Uh... You got bigger hands than me. I don't know. I I, I really don't have no clue what yeah. you
0: do. I mean, this is this is a this is something that comes up fairly often in various forums and groups online. People discussing reloads and talking about their gear and a magazine release button placement and this kind of stuff. And there's a lot of uh, a lot of people are really concerned about. I should be able to. Reach that magazine release without adjusting my grip, and I'll tell you this much: I I adjust my grip every time. Um, I can barely hit the button with my thumb on my P320s, so every time I reload, I do that. See how the finger yeah. shifted around? Yeah, that's you know how that's, how that's very
1: up? comparable to how I adjust my grip.
0: It's pretty much what you have to do. And then as soon as that's hit, my grip reestablishes. Okay, and that that all happens in a split second as the magazine. Is the spare mag is coming up and it goes in and then the rest of reacquiring the grip is all with the support hand at that point. Cause this has already corrected itself. And uh, that's, that that's just a learned uh, technique slash skill that needs to be worked on and practiced So you get to where you can do that repeatedly and consistently, but it's not hard to do. It just is a matter of putting in the time. I, again, I used to be in the same, like, Oh man, like, I don't want to have to readjust my grip. Like I need to buy a different mag release or uh, buy a different pistol. that fits my hand better. And this and, st- and this and that. And then I watched, uh, it's an older video at this point. It's probably 10 years old from uh, it's actually on double alpha Academy's uh, YouTube channel. And they're one of Max Michelle's sponsor. And he's, it's just a simple reloading tip video that he filmed for, for them, for one of his sponsors. and, he actually, he's describing his reload process and quite literally like talks about in that video, how he has to adjust, like he adjusts his grip, hits the button, performs a reload, fixes the grip and gets back on target. And he does reloads pretty fast. And I'm like, hot dang, world yeah. champion, multi-time national champion, adjust his grip when he reloads. Yeah. I guess it's I, not that big of a deal. So I've seen I'd,
1: Jerry Mitchell and Rob Latham reload; they both adjust their grips.
0: I'd say most shooters do. Uh, so anyway, um, and then the other thing that you said that really stuck out to me is you said, "Well, I'm just, you know, you know, when it comes when it comes to those last four shots, I'm just going to rattle those off as fast <laughs> as I can." And I'm thinking, "Well, th- there's your problem, Jacob. Like, <laughs> like, like, why are you just?" You know, ripping off four shots as fast as you can work the trigger versus being accountable to your uh to your sight picture for each of those four shots.
1: So that's a that's a valid question and a valid point. And um, so I'll I'll tell you what's in my head, and you can you can tell me if that's good or bad, I guess. But what's in my head is I know that if I lock down my grip really well, if if I really have a good solid grip and I present to target and I get that first sight picture. Uh, and that first sight picture is good and strong, then I can, I can run that gun about as fast as I can, and it, 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 all the shots are going to go in roughly the same spot it, it, in terms of this kind of standard we're talking about uh, with, with the body shots. So I, I know that if I build the grip properly, I can run the gun about as fast as I can. And by, As fast as I can, by the way, we're talking 0.18, 0.19, 0.20 splits is, is about my limitation. Then uh, I'm, I'm going to get those shots. It's going to be fine. But but the problem is that most I shouldn't say most time, but a lot of the time, and certainly coming off a reload, I'm much less likely to get the grip uh, built such that I'm I'm capable of that level of uh, energy. <laughs> I'm just you know yep because the first one is the first sight picture is where it should be. I. I can't afford the overconfidence of believing that it will just for sure return to every spot, right? It'll return to the same spot after each shot. Um, And so, yes, if I just made sure I had the sight picture every time for every shot, that would be better. And I would, I would know I was missing as I was shooting right back. Oh, that one's not going where it's supposed to. Oh, that one's not going where it's supposed to. But it's almost like I'm attempting to cheat by by telling myself, if I build this grip properly and get the first sight picture where it's supposed to be, I can let it rip uh, because it, it it should and it does and it has worked for me every time I build the grip properly at that level of that kind of standard. So it's, I'm attempting to cheat effectively and and oftentimes my grip fails to allow me to cheat.
0: But everything you're describing is ignoring the importance of of uh, you know being accountable to your site picture. So absolutely just, just something to think about. So, you know, because like you, I mean, I have pretty excellent recoil management. Um and and I can maintain things on target pretty well uh, just by holding really firmly on the gun you know having an excellent grip and then just letting it rip uh and that is primarily what's taking place at those closer distances three five seven yards i can really rep- let it rip but i'm still watching my sights through all of that and monitoring them um, and sometimes making micro adjustments on the fly like when i send one that's a little bit low a little close to A little close for comfort, as far as like, ooh, that's getting low in the hit zone there, or left or right. Um, By the next shot, not always, but a lot of the time, I've made a slight correction in between, like just okay, bringing the gun back up a little more, you know. Just I, I know we're 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 getting into stuff here that not many average shooters can probably they you're probably just not there yet but uh, but the point is is like we want to always be in my opinion reinforcing accountability to our our aiming to our sight picture in other words and uh you know so if you're if you're missing shots on a drill like the fast test and you're missing them in that body especially like okay maybe we're ripping them off a little too quickly and not not paying attention to or holding ourselves accountable to what do we see in the site picture. Um, but basically, yeah, I mean like we've, we've broken things down, I think pretty well. Uh, now, if you're missing stuff because you're like, if you're, mi- if you're missing the part time, for instance, you have a, a certain part time that you want to try to achieve and you You start looking at, you know, analyzing the different splits and times and whatnot, and you look at your draw to first shot time, and that's slower than probably what it ought to be. Uh, Like, for for instance, if you're not getting your first shot off until two seconds or more, like, okay, you need to work on draw, right? Um, Especially working on being able to draw consistently to the same location, especially when that location is relatively small. And so you want to do whatever it takes to create um, a practice session, and and that's this. So let me just be clear: what I'm describing is we use the drill or the test, the thing we use to evaluate, to to demonstrate our weaknesses or opportunities. Exposed deficiencies. Yep. And and so now let's create the practice regimen that works on that thing Mm -hmm. that's holding me back. So maybe you normally do pretty well drawing to a full size, you know, a zone or eight inch target or something like that, like an IDPA target when you're shooting for the body. But then you find yourself struggling on hitting that three by five card consistently. Well, okay, what it is, is you you are good enough to consistently fall within a larger target zone for that particular distance. But you just haven't refined that well enough for that smaller target requirement. And so more refinement necessary, uh, more consistency necessary. Uh, I, I have found with my, within myself that because there was this self-induced anxiety that I was actually putting more effort into drawing that gun to that small target than was necessary and that extra effort was actually what was taking me off target and when i simply relaxed and backed it off a little bit from a emotional mental anxiety sort of level then it more my gun just more naturally came to the target right where i was looking and and i actually expressed to me that well i have the skill to to get the gun there on target where i want it i just I was trying too hard. I was over trying. And that's something that sometimes I think it gets overlooked by some shooters. point is we want to try to identify which part of this test we are struggling with. Again, whether that's draw, whether that's reload, whether that's hitting precise targets or less precise targets, whether that's rebuilding the grip, whatever it is, and then let that feed your practice plans of, well, now I need to work on that specific thing. Okay. And that brings us back to what would be m- more akin to what Matt Little calls an isolation drill, where it's like, I'm going to con- concoct a drill that focuses on this one thing so specifically because that's my weakness. And then I'm going to do it again and again and again and again and again and again. And again until now that's no longer an issue and then we can take it back to the combination drill and see how it performs right and then we're going to either confirm that it that the work i put in is working or it's not or we're going to find the next piece or uh, the next deficiency and it's just this constant cycle of rinse or wash rinse repeat of you know like this this is really about how to get better and better and better as you continue to work on more and more things. This is the, this is the process I've gone through. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think this was a surprisingly fruitful discussion today.
1: So oh, surprisingly, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and, and not, I'm a <laughs> rightly anticipated that this discussion wasn't going to be particularly valuable or useful. I'm glad we were able to surprise you by, by, you know, producing some value in the conversation.
0: Well, you know, it's one of those things like, it's like, Oh, we're going to talk about, you know, dry firing the fast test, which was our shooter array challenge for the month of January. And it's like, Oh, I mean, there's, it's not that complex of a thing really, you know, like we could probably talk about that in 15 minutes and be done with it. But yeah, I feel like we've, we've, uh, there's, there was some meat to the conversation and i think that was good
1: i'm a meat and potatoes guy
0: <laughs> folks we remind you that uh, our sponsors are today uh, laser app or the laser activated soft laser activated shot reporter software uh, go to l a l a s r a p laserapp.com to learn more and get signed up today or purchase also XS sites our title sponsor, XSSites.com, and also barrelblock.com bar- barrel block with a k.com uh, to or if Jacob insists, blocksafety.com uh, to uh, pick up a barrel block product in your choice of several calibers so that you're doing dry fire in a safe manner, at least a safer manner. Um, than maybe what we have traditionally done in this industry a lot of times knowing you know and having the confidence that I have blocked off the chamber and barrel of my gun that no ammunition can get into it even if I make a mistake uh, even if I forget to remove ammo from the area where I'm doing my dry fire practice or whatever and being able to visually confirm that by seeing the barrel block protruding from the end of the of the muzzle is a, it's a nice comfort factor um and it's it's extra safe for us so um check them out guys those are our sponsors this was our topic today again you, if you missed it you can go watch the latest shooter ready challenge video at shooterreadychallenge.com and that brings us to a conclusion of yet another episode jacob final words
1: yeah i would just encourage you to actually go to shooterreadychallenge.com and watch the video every every single month since october 2019 I think uh, Riley's been producing these monthly Shooter Ready challenges and every single time we dedicate an episode uh, of the podcast to discuss it and there's value in both independently I assure you so if you're, if you're of the attitude of, well, I always hear you guys discuss the Shooter Ready Challenge here on the podcast while I'm in my commute or whatever, um, that's great. Uh, there's absolutely independent value in the discussion that happens here. And generally, it's Matthew and you, Riley, who discuss the Shooter Ready Challenge. So there's, there's absolutely value in that conversation that happens. But it's not a replacement for actually participating in the challenge. It is called the Shooter Ready Challenge for a reason. We are challenging you to conduct some dry fire. And while that sometimes can get dry or feel repetitive or maybe even boring, we're providing you a template to change it up each month. And at at least for some degree of time, whether you do it for the whole month or for a week or for a couple of days to do something different in your dry fire routine and to have somebody walk you through doing that. So, so please take the challenge and go to shooterreadychallenge.com consume that video every single month uh, and, and and take the opportunity to actually mimic that in your own dry fire uh, practice and get some value from from doing so that's that's the core here of what we're trying to achieve and I'll just add one other little quick disclaimer uh, we we really don't want you to be discouraged if you go watch that uh, dry fire challenge, or excuse me, the shooter fi- shooter ready challenge, and you determine that oh, well, Riley's doing it with the cert pistol. I don't have a cert pistol. Riley's doing that with the LASR software. I don't have the LASR software. Uh, Riley's doing that with a laser cartridge. I don't have a, a laser dot or whatever. Like, figure out how to adapt it to you. That's fine. Like, we're 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 demonstrating it with the tools that we have that we think are ideal for that particular given practice segment. But you you can find a way to do it for you. I'm sure. So figure it out take the challenge, get it done.
0: Agreed. Yep. It's meant to be a resource. It's meant to give you some tips and tricks. It's meant to give you ideas for uh, fleshing out your own dry fire practice sessions and routines. And uh, so adapt and use as necessary. And just the point is get better. All right. We believe in dry fire practice. Uh, I wouldn't be as skilled as I am if I didn't dry fire in my own time. So, uh, it's been, uh, it's, it's, it's been a, a fruitful endeavor for me. So, and many other people, including Jacob, even though he doesn't know it or doesn't think it, or doesn't maybe practice as much as I do.
1: Oh, it's a ditto. My skills would not be <laughs> as good as they are, whatever they are, yep, if, right. if I did not conduct, you know, the dry fire that I conduct, <laughs> right? Yep. Cool. Well, thank you for the discussion today, folks. Thanks for listening.
0: Again, we thank you for our support, uh, for your support of our podcast And so until next week, we remind you uh, to not only be wise and prudent in your decisions and, and to be disciplined in your application of practice, but also a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take
1: care.